0: You're listening to the sermon audio from The Shore Church, located in North Vancouver. For more information about The Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. All right. Well, good morning. If I haven't said good morning to you yet at the back door there, welcome. So good to have you here with us. This morning at the shore, it is family day long weekend, so it's a little bit later here this morning, which is so good though. Good to have every one of you here with us. Uh, if you're new here, there's a Bible back on the back table for you. We would love to get in your hands the Word of God, and so please feel free to grab one of those. It is our gift to you, and we are in the Book of First John today. And so, why don't we rise? Again, rise as we read God's word together as a group, as, a, as the body of Christ. And we're going to read 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27 this morning. So let's read, it's on the screen. You can follow along or in your Bibles. It says this, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know, the, know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. HE WHO DENIES THE FATHER AND THE SON. NO ONE WHO DENIES THE SON HAS THE FATHER. WHOEVER CONFESSES THE SON HAS THE FATHER ALSO. LET WHAT YOU HEARD FROM THE BEGINNING ABIDE IN YOU. IF WHAT YOU HEARD FROM THE BEGINNING ABIDES IN YOU, THEN YOU TOO WILL ABIDE IN THE SON AND IN THE FATHER. AND THIS IS THE PROMISE THAT HE MADE TO US, ETERNAL LIFE. I WRITE THESE THINGS TO YOU ABOUT THOSE WHO ARE TRYING TO DECEIVE YOU. BUT THE ANOINTING THAT YOU RECEIVE FROM HIM ABIDES IN YOU, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is the word of God. Yeah, grab a seat and let's uh, pray one more time and then we'll jump into this text. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it, it provides us warnings. It provides us instruction. It provides us great, amazing promises promises. And so I pray, Jesus, as we unpack this uh, portion of your word, that uh, you will transform our hearts. You will help us um, understand it, that you will help us be renewed, and that uh, you will help us also be watchful of what is around us, that we might learn and abide in you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I, th- I pray, Jesus, even just that last song as we sung, that, that we will... Uh, abide in it as well, that we all live and make sure that you are fully our good news, our promise that is eternal. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to be here with you this morning. One of, the, one of the greatest things you teach children is I always love having the kids come up here, even though they untie my shoe and uh, do other funny things. But that's what kids do. They do funny things. But but what is the greatest thing that you were taught maybe as a little kid, if you could put yourself back into their little bodies? What is the thing that your parents taught you? One of the greatest rules, right? One of the greatest things your ki- you taught your kids is they began to go out into the world what would you teach them? Well, oftentimes, no one's answering, but oftentimes it was don't talk to strangers, right? You remember this lesson? Don't talk to strangers. Don't take things from strangers, right? You would guide them. You would teach them. You would learn because you're taking them off into this world and you know that there's deception out there. You know there are people out there to harm and to take from them uh, things that they, you, they ought not to take, Right? So you, as a good parent, give good instruction. Well, in our text that I read already, John is doing the same thing. John is coming alongside us. He's about 80-something, some say about 86, 87 years old, and he's teaching the church. He's still proclaiming good things to the church, and he's coming alongside us, and he goes, Children, beware. Beware. Be watchful of the things around. There's false." teachers out there that want to take and destroy what you know from the beginning. See this is John's message and and like a good father teaches his kids, we have John in the scripture here teaching us good things for our good, for for our growth, for our pleasure. And so we want to take these. And so I've outlined this morning's text, and you can see it on the, on the screen there. It's danger, no, accept, and abide. Danger, no, accept, and abide. And I'll explain that as we go. Well, let's take a look at the first one, danger, verses 18 and 19. So you can go back into that either on your Bibles or on your phone apps or, or even on the screen there. But verses 18 and 19, it says this. Children... It is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. See, John is trying to make something incredibly clear here. these verses that danger is the danger as we go out into this world that there are, are antichrists there's there's false teachers there's dangers out there that you might be taught and being around the church community for a while maybe you hear when you hear antichrist you think of satan you think of the devil the lawless one the the deceiver the the enemy of god and you're right in one sense the devil is the antichrist Um, He is opposed to the anointed one being Jesus. There is only one Christ, one anointed one. That's what Christ means. It means the anointed, the anointed one, the one that is set apart. God has set apart Jesus to be our savior. That's why we have a cross on the stage. He is the one that lived, died, and rose again for our hope of eternal life, which we see in verse 25. But this is the the one Christ. There is only one Christ, And Jesus is that Christ. He is the one that is set apart. The original Greek word is the antichristos, which means, well, which is translated in English, the antichrist, which simply means the opponent of God. That's all it is, is the opponent of God. And so if you are not for Christ, you are essentially against him. And when you begin to teach the things that you are against God then you become one of those antichrists. You are an opponent now of Christ himself. And so when you don't believe in the, in the words of God and begin to teach other things other than what is the word of God, then you become an antichrist. And you, when you don't believe that Jesus lived on this earth 2,000 years ago, walked this earth for about 33 years, died a horrible death on the cross for our sin, for the penalty of our sin and then rose again three days later, and then ascended into heaven 40 days after that, then, and you teach something else, then you too are an antichrist. You are an opponent of God's. This is how we know. And, and the antichrist will at times sound religious, sound spiritual, will use Christian vocabulary. They're masters of deception. These are the antichrists that are in the world today. In fact, in other parts of God's word, we see these antichrists will come with signs, prophetic words, miracles, dreams, all to deceive you away from the words spoken already. They will proclaim that God is speaking to them in new ways and that you too can hear the voice of God. But we have scripture that says something a little bit different. In Matthew 24, verse 5 and also verse 24, it's on the screen. It says this. For many will come in my name. Now let me stop there for a second. In, for many will come in my name. This is Jesus talking. Many will come in Jesus' name. They will proclaim that they are from Christ. They are from Jesus and that they are a Christ. Which means that they are anointed. They are ones anointed by God. I'm coming in Jesus' name. I'm anointed by God and this is who I am. And we have that today. And they will lead many astray. Jump down to verse 24. It says, For false Christs, false ones that proclaim anointing from the Lord, and false prophets will arise and perform, and this is interesting, they'll perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, even if possible, even the elect. We're in this time. There's many that are falling away from what we know to be true. And so at the time of this letter, it was the Gnostics, Gnostic teaching. They, they proclaimed that they had a special, special knowledge from God. And they be, began to proclaim and teach things contrary to what Scripture had already taught us. And they come from the church itself. They come from the church. It says it right there in verse 19. You can take a look at it again in your Bibles. It says they went out from us. They went out from us. Meaning, at one time, they were with them. Like Judas was one of the disciples, walked with Jesus, saw the miracles, did ministry with Jesus for three years, and then kissed him on the cheek to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. We have those within the church to this day. See, John gives some ways here that we can detect whether or not there is an antichrist in our midst. This is this passage, he's given us a warning. In verses 18 and 19, we actually see some fairly general ways to determine whether or not someone is Antichrist. Again, John addresses the church here as children. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we, I unpacked a different language in uh, verses 12 through 14, where it says, or sorry, yeah, 12 through 14, where it says, little children, meaning the church. Fathers and young men, and then again it says children there. This is the same terminology here in our text this morning. Children meaning pation, meaning young men and women of the church, young in their faith. All ages, but young in their faith. And so John here is coming alongside and speaking to the church in a tender way that we as young children can figure this out. Your young children, remember his words to them as well. You know the Father. Your sins are forgiven. Remember these things. It's really important to understand these things. And in verse 13, like I said, he said to the little children, the pations, the new in their faith, you know the Father. Hold on. In other words, we have enough for life and godliness here in the words of God already. We don't need some other new teaching that might come from someone that's performing signs and wonders and miracles. We already have the word of God. So two ways in these first two verses that we might detect an Antichrist, and they're very general, very easy to see. The first is you have been told already. You've been told. Again, John starts with reminding the church that we all know this is going to happen, saying, as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. You've already heard this. This is not new teaching. You know that this is coming. And John isn't shocking the church with this. We already know it. We know that this is happening. There's going to be false teachers. We actually are warned about this quite often. And John not only reminds the church that they know that Antichrists are here with us, but he also reminds the church that it is, it is the last hour. Meaning, anytime you hear the last hour, it means that, man, we are close to the second coming of Jesus. But remember, this is written thousands of years ago. So, even John was saying this is the last hour. We don't know. Jesus, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day for Jesus, right? So we don't know. We all, but he has called us to be prepared, be aware of what is going on around us, and the more and more we see the world changing today, is that we're calling evil good and good evil, and we see this as another sign of what is coming to the end, and so we need to be aware and take heed of what John is calling us to, that this is the last hour. There's going to be many antichrists coming. See, the last hour, like I said, is referencing the second coming of Jesus, and, and we have the promised gift of eternal life, which we see in verse 25. And knowing this truth gives us as children, children of God, perseverance, doesn't it? Like when you know the end result, it gives us endurance, it gives us perseverance. Like, think about going back to your childhood. Think about, like, how you instructed kids, like your kids, not to take things from strangers or talk to strangers, but other things that you would, as a parent now, you would warn your kids or you would help them persevere and endure through maybe this suffering that they're feeling. Right? Think about how you talk to your kids when they're tired and hungry and grumpy and you're going for a walk. And they're like, I don't want to go any further. And you come alongside them as a loving father, a loving mother, and you put your arm around them and go, hey, we can see the, can see the house from here. We're almost there. We're almost there. It's the last hour, right? We're almost there. We're, we can see the home and remember what daddy said. We're going to have a snack when we get home. We're going to go for a walk and when we get home, we're going to have a snack and we can see the house right there. Now let's go. And this is essentially what John is doing. He's going, little children, you know it's the last hour. You know many antichrists have come. So hold on to Jesus. He's promised you eternal life. Let's hang tough. Let's move on. Let's persevere. Let's endure the things that are coming our way. This is what John is doing. See, Peter says the same thing. If you just flip over, like, one page in my Bible, flip over to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17:18 it's on the screen there i believe but it says you therefore beloved again just a tender language that peter is using to the church you therefore beloved knowing this beforehand again same thing as john said you know this already knowing this beforehand take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people of false teachers And lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, or our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This is our warning. And it's not not just said by John, it's said by Peter and many others. So we know that this is coming. It's a simple instruction. Secondly, the second way as a church we can detect the false teachers that time will tell. Time will tell. We see it again right there in the text in verse 19. It says, "They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us." So, if there if there are those within the church that have chosen to ignore and disengage and and walk away from the truth that they believed onto, time will tell. Time will tell if their faith was genuine. Time will tell if they actually truly understand and believe and hold on to the gospel that they were given. Time will tell. And if they begin to live contrary to what the Bible has called them, then they are an antichrist. They are teaching something contrary to what they said they believed in. And we all know maybe someone that has been disillusioned and walking away from the faith that they originally held on to. See, they are antichrist. They might say they are in the light, but they, as John has said, they might say they are in the light, but they're actually living in the darkness. See, this is what I mean by time will tell. Time will tell where one's heart is, where your affections are, what kingdom you might be serving. And we as a church need to do some kind of work on our own hearts. Am I really, truly falling in love with Jesus? Am I truly following what I profess out of my mouth? Sin always will reveal itself. See, could people repent, right? Could people come back to Jesus? Absolutely. We have 1 John 1, 9. Like if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you all of your sin and cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Of course, people can repent and come back to the Lord. Absolutely. But to be crystal clear here on this, I personally believe that the Bible is telling us that when you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you are saved, that once you are saved, that you're always saved. I believe that with all my heart. But I also believe that the Bible is very clear on the perse- perseverance of, of the saints, that it teaches that very clearly that you persevere now that you've been brought from darkness into light you have a perseverance in your heart there's a, when you are endure suffering or or temptation or trial that you persevere you you want to please the lord in all of your actions heart mind soul and strength you've been transformed into light and so the perseverance of saints is a is a beautiful doctrine that we need to hold on to so when you are transformed from that dark into light, there will be an endurance, a perseverance out of a changed heart to live as Jesus lived. So in this section, just verse 18 and 19 here, time will tell, Some, sometimes after years, like in the life of Judas, time will tell whether or not you are truly saved, whether you've truly confessed Jesus is Lord and, you're, and you are changed from the inside out. See, as Jesus says in the end of Matthew chapter 7, you will know them by their fruit. And here again in verse 19, you will know them if they remain in fellowship with us and not proclaim or teach a different doctrine than what was from the beginning. They will remain, but we know them because they have left us. They've left the fellowship. So John gives us two ways to tell whether or not someone is an antichrist, but it isn't just these two ways. John, in fact, goes on in the rest of our text It goes a little bit deeper in the next few verses here as we're covering today. But John gives us an outline of sorts for how to spot an Antichrist and be assured of your faith at the very same time. It's actually really cool. He says one line, just like a father says, don't talk to strangers or don't take things from strangers. That is expressing his love, but also giving instruction. And that's essentially what John is doing here. He's he's expressing the assurance of your salvation as well as giving us a warning. Very same sentence, and it's beautiful. And you can see this in the outline I gave you. It's do, do they know the truth as we know the truth? Do they confess and accept Jesus as, and the Father as we do? And do they abide in the teachings of Jesus? So the next warnings, as we've already said, we've, we've got that you already know that this is going to happen. Uh, time will tell, and now you know, and you accept, and you abide. That's what we're going to cover now. So let's look at the know part. But you have been, in verse 20 and 21, it says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. And I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. See, John is sharing of his faith and assurance of those within the church and their salvation. And to share this, John has most likely seen fruit in their lives as they live in the war in a world of deception. He sees the fruit of of loving character and, and mercy and patience and joy and the love that all come out of the fruit of the Spirit. And he's sharing of their knowledge as they ignore the teachings of the Gnostics and to reassure them to keep away from lies and things they have not heard from the beginning. In church, I like Paul, or I mean, I like John, want to encourage you as well. Stand firm on the things that you've been taught. Hold on to this. What it has taught you, what others have taught you through this, that there is a holy God and he loves you very much. But we are sinful. There is no one righteous, not one. And because we are sinful before a holy God, there's no possible way an unholy person can be with a holy God. It is actually impossible. So you need to be somehow cleansed from your unrighteousness, your unholiness, your what the Bible calls sin. And this sin is a a separation between us and God. And God knows this well. He needs to perform the wrath of his wrath, his justice, his perfect, unadulterated justice upon us as unholy. And Jesus, so he sends Jesus to live for us to die for our sin, to pay the penalty of sin and death so that we can now have eternal life and reconciliation with the Father. This is the story of Christianity. Jesus' perfect life lived for us. Jesus' death for us, the penalty of sin and death on Jesus. And Jesus' all of his righteousness on us. This is what we've known from the beginning. And when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... It says here, the promise is that eternal life, it says it right there in verse 25, and it says it all over scripture. The promise is eternal life, that you will be saved when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There is only one anointed one. There is no other mediator other than Jesus. He's the perfect propitiation. He's the perfect advocate. He's the perfect redeemer. He saves us from our sin. This is what we know. We know. So the charge for us is to keep yourself and your loved ones away from false teachers. And we must know the truth of God. This is the only way we know. Just like a little kid knows I need not to talk to strangers and I need not to take things from them. And if, if someone's telling me opposite, my father told me this, so I've got some truth here that I need to hold on to. Just like we as Christians, we have truth here that we need to hold on to. We need to go back to it to see what our true father has said to us. And to govern everything by the authority of scripture. This is where we go. So the charge for us is to lovingly know the word of God. So we have the danger. We have a knowledge. And now the acceptance. The acceptance. Verse 22 and 23. It says this who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ this is the antichrist he who denies the father and the son no one who denies the son has the father whoever confesses the son has the father also this is incredibly important this takes away every single worldly religion takes it wipes it right out every religion teaching other than Jesus Christ the one crucified the one born of a virgin is a false gospel. It's a false truth. It says it right here. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Over and over we see this in the scripture. So again, John is giving us a tool and a very clear instruction of how to spot an antichrist. One who denies Jesus and the Father is not of us. But this is also a great encouragement and assurance of salvation for a church, isn't it? When you actually recognize that Jesus has lived, when you actually believe and and trust that he lived and he died and he rose again, that you're assured in your eternal glory with him. See, do you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you believe that the Father sent Jesus the Son to save the world from sin and death by way of his life, death, burial, and resurrection? If you have, then you are assured in your salvation. See, the problem is, it won't be this easy to spot. It won't just be people walking around, uh, I deny Jesus, I deny the Father. It's not going to be that easy. Remember, there are deception. All kinds of deceiving ways and tactics of how the enemy works They will tickle the ears. They will teach what is contrary to the word of God, sometimes in subtle ways and sometimes with brazen assurance. See, one of the ways that has crept into the church is the teaching on marriage and homosexuality. And what I've found, actually, is oftentimes it's the pastor. It's the pastor. Remember, it's the ones that came from us. It's oftentimes the pastor or a leader within the church that maybe their son or daughter has fallen into sin be, start to believe in, in maybe the teachings of homosexuality, maybe the teachings of, you know, marriage is actually for anybody, men, men, women, and women, and you begin to soften your stance on what the Bible has already said. See, what they're actually doing is teaching a different Jesus because Jesus can't teach what he, uh, an opposite teaching from what he's already taught. It's so clear in the scripture. And that's creeping into the church in all kinds of different ways. See, those assured in Christ know him. Those assured in Christ accept him. And those assured in Christ abide in him. Look at our last few verses. Verse 24 and 27. It says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Abide in him again. John is giving us how to find an antichrist and at the same time giving us assurance of our salvation. See, those that are opponents of Jesus will not abide in him, they won't. They will not, they will turn from what the word always and clearly says and teach something else. So, remember what um, Satan said to Adam and Eve in the garden, all the way back to the book of Genesis. He said, did God really say? Did God really say that? Bringing confusion. Did did God really say that? And if we don't know what God actually said, it begins to sound right. It begins to sound confusing. And so we need to go back to what the word actually said. See, a popular way false teachers are doing this now is by playing on God's love. If God is loving, which we know is to, tr- to be true, God is actually love. He's not loving, he is love. Wouldn't he then accept all people? If God is loving, wouldn't he be gracious and forgiving? See, it's playing against God's love. See, the great theologian Lady Gaga, have you heard of her? Great theologian says this, I am a Christian woman, and what I do know about Christianity is that we bear no prejudice and everybody is welcome. Sounds great, but it's very wrong. Taylor Swift, another theologian, recently said, my pro-LGBT, pro-choice brand of Christianity is the real Christianity. See, these are problem statements because they teach a different Jesus. They say they are with us but have not remained with us. They have actually left the Jesus of the Bible and created for themselves a Jesus that speaks against actually the written word. They will tickle the ears with false doctrines. They will say what you want to hear. They will lead you to a similar destruction that is found for all those without Jesus as their Lord. They will bring confusion to you and others, possibly leading you astray to be led by your, think about this, by your feelings, which is very prevalent in our culture right now, by your feelings and your, your thoughts. Your thoughts are more powerful than the word of God. Your feelings are more powerful than the word of God. What you desire is more powerful than the word of God. Is this true? Far from it. Right? We can see what Paul wrote uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, it says something again, a warning like John is warning us. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, feelings, thoughts, emotions, desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth. Because the truth is actually hard. It's hard to hear sometimes, and wander off into actual myths. See, the Bible is very clear that it is God's word and what we ought to look to for verification if a prophet, a dreamer, or even an angel comes to you with a new gospel. Like Paul warns this in the book of Galatians. And we have this, right? The Mormon church is, as an angel came to Joseph Smith and gave him these tablets of gold, a new gospel. This is saying something different. Mormonism is a cult if you didn't know this. Jehovah Witnesses. A cult, it's teaching a different Jesus. We have Eastern religions teaching that Jesus is a prophet or a teacher, a good teacher. He claims to be God. Far different. See, the Bible is very clear that it is God's word and what we ought to look to for verification. Jesus himself does it. If anyone were to say, "You know what, my feelings are saying this. You know, I really want to follow my heart, and my heart is telling me to do this," wouldn't you see that in the desert when Satan took him to the desert and tempted him three times, and Jesus didn't go, "You know what, my heart is telling me to do this, or I really feel that this is right." No, Jesus said, "It is written. It is written. It is written." He went back to the Word of God. He went back to what God has already written down for us to learn from, from, to glean from. He didn't go with his feelings, his thoughts, his heart. He went to the word of God and we ought to as well. Anytime we're confused, we need to go back to the word. Look at verse 24 and 25 again. It says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the son and in the father. And this is the promise that he made to you, to us. Eternal life. See, friends, it is the last hour. There's going to be Antichrist coming to try and sway you away from the truth. Like one of one of the attributes of God is veracity, which means He is unchanging. He's unchanging. His word is unchanging. It hasn't changed for thousands of years, and we still can glean from it today. It doesn't need to be changed. There doesn't need to be a new revelation. Actually, it says in the back of the book in, in the book of Revelation, if you add or take away from this book, you will have all the curses that are found in this book. That sounds like fun. Right? So we need to be careful of what we do with the word of God. This is the words of God that we can go to. And like I said, there's going to be false teachers. There's going to be, this is the last hour. And so little children, hang on to Jesus. And if you're confused, you know the Father. Go back to him. Go back to the words that he spoke through his son Jesus and through the prophets and the apostles. Go back to him. This is where we find hope, not in our feelings, not in our heart, not in our desires, but actually in the word of God himself. See, we need the truth. The truth is setting us free. Through Jesus, we are set free his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. We are set free when we confess him as Lord and Savior. And we're transformed from one degree of holiness to the next. This is where we want to go to. We want to go to the Bible, the very word of God, to be warned of the things around us, as little children of his children, to fall deeply in love with his word, that we might test everything with his authority, not the things of this world or different doctrines or teachings of men, but at what Jesus taught us in the word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. It is so easy to listen to the things of this world, watch the things of this world. It is incredibly entertaining. And in this, the enemy is so good at distracting us from going actually to the source of all life, your word. You actually call it the bread of life. Man cannot live on bread alone, but the very words of God. We need this for sustenance. We need this for energy, for renewal, and for actual life. And so help us, Lord, as the church, as your gathered people, that we will be faithful Readers and studiers and, and be disciplined in, in actually following what your word says. And because you are a loving God, that's the best thing for our life. All these other things proclaim good things for us, but yet your very word is what actually lasts and is eternal. So help us be faithful. Help us see the, the brokenness of this world and, and see the goodness of your instructions to us. Help us be faithful, Jesus, this week because the temptations of this world and the things, the teachings that we hear from all the antichrists around us, man, they're so easy to draw into. And so help us, Jesus, be faithful to what you have said and to surrender our hearts and our minds and our soul and our body and our strength to you and help us love as you've loved us.